But all right, Justin. Before I ask you to sing me a song, I have a question for you. Have you ever anticipated Yo. the release of a song before? I honestly cannot say that I have. I don't follow music enough to like that to anticipate. You know, if I if I would hear that somebody's coming out with something, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, cool. I'll I'll be on the lookout for that." You know, I was I always had like music follower friends who would tell me, "Oh, well, this person's going to have this or this person's coming out." But I don't know. I've never I don't think I've ever like anticipated a song though or anything like that. I just catch it when I catch it or hear it and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, I liked it or it was all right or whatever the opinion is, but no, I don't think I've ever like anticipated a song. I mean, the closest thing to it is if I haven't heard the song and somebody goes, Oh man, you, you need to, you know, you need to hear that album or you need to hear that song, man. It, it was tight. It was this, it was that, you know, and maybe sometimes, so maybe there'd be a little bit of anticipation until I heard the song that this person was talking about, but other than, but that's probably the closest I've been to it, man, as far as just anticipation. Okay. All right, Heather, same question to you. Have I ever anticipated a song? Um, I can think of one time when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> um, it was before the Backstreet Boys Millennium album dropped. <laughs> And they, all the radio stations were talking about, like, they were going to, um, release, like, their newest single on the radio, like, the next day. And, like, everybody was, like, super excited about that. Or all the girls, of course, were, um, for the, um, I Want It That Way song. (laughs) And that was, of course, the first song that they released from the album. And the next day, all the girls in class, like, knew the song. (laughs) So that's the only time I can remember anticipating the release of a song. But I feel like that was back in the day, though, too, when, like, they kind of get you more with that. Like, there's no, there wasn't social media to really kind of hype it up from the artist. It was, like, radio stations and TV kind of doing it for you. So... It was different, but yes, that's the only time I can remember. Okay. Justin, you stumped me. I don't have a question for you. You get a point. Heather. Yay. You lose a (laughs) point (laughs) for anticipating Backstreet Boys. Because everyone knows NSYNC was better than Backstreet Boys. So you lose a well, point yes. for anticipating Backstreet. But Okay, question. But Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you do gain a point for at least it being I want it that way because of all the Backstreet Boy songs, that's probably their biggest banger. So Okay. You ultimately come out of it with you don't lose a point and you don't gain one. Okay. Can I ask a question? No. (laughs) 
Just a real quick follow-up question. What's your question? You're going to try to argue against this, and I might just take a point away. But go ahead. Ask your question. No, no, no. I just I just want to know, is it worth anything that, like, I've always been in sync over Backstreet no. Boys. I just, I liked both, but I like in sync more. No. That means nothing? Nothing. Because you mentioned specifically you anticipated Backstreet Boys. That's it. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Cool. There's just new ways to lose every time. You, but you, you, okay. you, you ended up with the net zero. Do you want to lose? I can take away a point. We can give <laughs> you a loss. No, I'll, I'll leave it at a nothing. <laughs> and nothing is good. You're just never happy with anything. You've argued with me before when I gave you a point. Just, we can't win with you, Heather. Okay. It was just a question. That's why I asked. I just, we like, can ask just can't win with you. Me and the gaming gods just can't win with you. It hurts all of our collective feelings. I just want you to know that. My apologies. We're just sitting here trying to have a nice little game before the podcast. And you just have to be Debbie Downer with it and hurt her feelings. Why can't we have wow. fun with the game, Heather? Mm. My bad. It's on me. It's on me. Just, just distraught over here. There's only one thing that can make me feel better now. Cinema Slayers. 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 Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are doing a twofer for you. We've got two movies we're going to talk about. Both new releases. We're going to talk about the movie Antlers and the movie Last Night in Soho. We will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with both those movies. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. With each one of those movies individual, individually, with time codes in the description, to help you jump around as necessary. So with all that, we will start with in alphabetical order with the movie Antlers. Justin. What are your spoiler-free thoughts on Antlers? Okay. Antlers. Well, um, I had seen some previews for this, and I mean, I think, I, 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 I might even say it was like, I feel like I saw previews for this years ago. It probably wasn't, but that's what it feels like, because <laughs> I remember I think 2019. See, I think we were getting previews in 2019 for this. Yeah. Okay. So it has been years. Okay. It didn't only fit. Okay. Cause I was like, man, I feel like this has been something I had been seeing for years. And then I think I'm, I'm assuming it was just pushed back, you know, with 
COVID and everything, it had to have been because I just remember seeing previews for this for a while. But so it was one of those that I was kind of looking forward to seeing. And then um, when I found out that uh, Guillermo del Toro was going to be a producer on this and that some of the uh, designs of the creature or creatures, whatever you want to call at the at the time was going to be based on some of his designs and different things like that. I was like, oh, you know, this, and the previews looked interesting. So I was like, oh, you know, that's one that I want to see. So finally that day has come and we're getting to watch this movie. And, uh, you know, I I think at at the end of the day, I just kind of walked away. I didn't love this. But I didn't hate it either. I think I'm just like almost kind of somewhere in the the middle with it. It was a serviceable horror thriller movie. You know, I, I think that I don't know if it really succeeded completely in the message. I think that it was trying to convey and maybe not as scary as it wanted to be. Um, maybe there were some pacing issues uh here and there um but 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 it's not a long movie and overall um i I think i was entertained for the most part i think that the best thing about it though is the acting performances um carrie russell does a great job in this uh jesse plemons who I know I'm, I'm familiar with him from Breaking Bad, but man, he's starting to show up in a lot of different movies. But you know, I liked him too. They they were brothers and sisters in this. Uh, Julia and and Paul, uh, Carrie and Jesse, and I thought that they were good. I thought that their dynamic um, was good. And then um, the um. The, the child actor in this, Jeremy T. Thomas, did a great job, too. I mean, I thought that he really is the heart of this film, and that and that kid did, I, I thought, a great job in this role. Without saying too much, I just think that he uh, was very good in this. I mean, he, he did come across as this kid that was torn and suffering with something, and... um and he came across as this kid that had this uh that that had this secret that that had these things that he felt like he needed to protect and things like that and i i just think that he really conveyed that well this kid when you find out what he's gone through and what he's trying to do and everything like that so i thought that that was another solid performance um other than that i mean the movie you know, I think that it does go along at kind of a slower pace, trying to, you know, put together pieces, build tension and stuff like that. And I'm not one of those people that has to have my horror movie. Everything's got to be zero to 60. I like a movie that that takes its time and tries to make me figure it out and make me wonder what's happening and things like that. I just think that by the time this got to the end, I just don't know if the ending or the resolution was as spellbounding or as grandiose as they maybe thought that it was. You know, pretty much where you think it's going to wind up is where it winds up, ultimately. Uh, 
so yeah, I, I mean, it's not big on innovation. There wasn't a lot to this where, um, there wasn't a lot of things that I that I could say are standout things as far as like the camera work of the shots. It does have some beautiful shots. It is a well shot film. Cinematography is very good in this, but I mean, b- b- but nothing about it stands out as like super memorable or anything like that. You know, it was all respectable. Um the, and 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 then the monster designs by Del Toro were good. You know, I did get what I expected out of that. I did what, from what I saw and everything that I saw in the design of th- this creature and everything like that. I thought was done well too. So all in all, yeah, that's what I walked away with. I didn't love this. I don't know. I can't say it's a great movie or it'll be heralded as a classic. It's not really on that high of a level as far as like horror films go. But I thought that it was a very serviceable, serviceable Halloween thriller horror film. You know, respectable, I think, just about in every way. What about you, Heather? Yeah, I I think this movie has um, a really good amount of suspense to it because I will say that the entire time, even though, you know, you see the trailer and it has been out for forever, the trailer, um, it's, it's one of those where even with the trailer and what they show and all these things, like it really, the, the kind of the... The, ter- the the way that the story went isn't quite, I guess, what I expected it was going to, to be at first. I think Jason's right. It does kind of wind up being predictable towards the end, like where you, what you expect to sort of be happening is kind of what happens towards the end. But, um, you know, the leading up to it and the kind of the story in between the journey getting to that end point was um, more. It was different. It was different than I expected it to be. And I also um, think that it's just, in general, a unique movie. Um, I haven't really seen a movie quite like this before. Um, And it's kind of in that category of, yes, there's the horror, but there's also the, it's like a drama horror type of thing. And I do tend to like those movies for the most part. And uh, Carrie Russell is just really, she's great. Like, she's really good at doing, like, types of roles that are like that um and again yeah jesse plemons i've been a fan of him since friday night lights he is just really diverse and he's very um he's just a really great like character actor type of person um i just really enjoy even if i don't necessarily like the movie he's in i typically always like his performance in a movie or a show so, yeah, it was really nice to see him in this. I actually didn't realize or remember that he was in this movie, <laughs> but I'm really glad that he was because I was like, oh, this is probably going to be good stuff. So, um, and yeah, the kid definitely, he really was so great. Like, I'm going to sort of take a page from Sterling's book and say, I'm really glad that kid acting these days is so much better than it used to be. And uh, he's really just kind of proof of that because. In order to pull off this story, especially this particular kid's story, um, you really kind of have to really have those acting chops and really 
know what you're doing in that way. Um, his, what was his name? It was, oh, Jeremy T. Thomas. Yeah. Plays Lucas. He just really kind of drove the heart of the story for sure. And he, you know, he's, he's not overacting. He's, you really kind of feel everything that he feels. And he just, I, I think of lesser quality performance from the kid would have, it, this could have gone sideways really quickly, but he really, he was just really top notch and on the same level of like acting skill almost as, you know, the adults. So that was pretty impressive to me. Um, even the other kid, the, the brother was actually pretty good too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a unique story and I was interested enough because I don't really feel like I fully figured out everything that was going to be happening in it um, until, you know, more towards the ending of it. But the journey and the story to kind of get you there was interesting enough for me to be like, yeah, okay, this is different. I like it. Um, I do have some issues with sort of like kind of maybe it is kind of the pacing, but also just areas of the story that they maybe should have emphasized more um, that really might have added to the quality of the film as a whole. But overall, um, you know, I, I'm kind of in that boat of Jastin where I, I don't think it's an excellent, like, great, great movie. Not the greatest movie I've ever seen. But it was good. I mean, it was it was a fine movie. It was a little bit better than just okay for me. Um, but yeah, so it, it was just, it was, it was fine, but I am glad that I did a one-time watch of it because it's different enough to make you feel like it, it stands out in that way where the story itself is definitely different, but it's not necessarily stand out enough for you to say, oh, this is definitely the greatest like horror or horror drama film I've ever seen. To me, this movie is the definition of all sizzle, no steak. Which is just a fancy word of agreeing or a fancy way of saying I, I really kind of agree with a lot with what Justin said. That I do like me a slow building horror movie that builds tension and all these things and then you get to the end and you get that nice reward for all that tension building that this movie did. Great example of that is the original Alien. It's one of the perfect examples mm-hmm. of tension building to that finale. Same with uh, the first Predator. Very much the same way. Slow build. Tension, tension, tension finale. Fucking fantastic. This movie does so much slow build and slow burn and all this. And it just whimpers its way to the fucking end. It's like you have the world's longest fuse to a sparkler. Like, <laughs> I see what you're saying. That was a funny analogy, but I get it. Yeah, it just, it's, it's a fine ending. But all that work you did to set it up and that was the ending we got. And it's just fine. I also think this movie severely suffered from the fact that something else that Justin brought up. We've been seeing promotional materials and trailers for this movie for two fucking years. 
So even if you're seeing the same trailers over and over again, or you're seeing some of the new material because they're really trying to pump up the fact that this movie's finally coming out and all this other stuff, I felt like we just kind of knew the movie too well at that point. And it just didn't feel like it had a payoff because of that. I mean, I remember when I first saw the first trailer, I was stoked because I can't, I was waiting for us to do an episode where I could talk about it and I could have my prediction. That'd be like, bam, that fucking monster is a Wendigo. I know it. We just got a Wendigo movie happening. And then like fucking three months later, they just throw that in the promotional materials. They're like, it's a movie about Wendigos. And you're like, oh, fuck off. Like, it's just, it's just, we, we, we knew too much about this movie without knowing everything. We just still knew too much. And also with this, like, it lined up a lot with the Wendigo lore that I do know. Now, I'm not saying I'm some, like, Wendigo expert, but, like, there's, like, some lore and stuff like that. And this lined up a lot with a lot of that lore, but then aspects of it didn't. Like, this isn't really a spoiler, but I don't know how Wendigoism is transmitted in this movie. It's transmitted somehow. I can't really tell you how, though. You know? But then it had some aspects of the Wendigo thing that it changed a little bit, and I really liked those aspects of it. So it was just kind of hit or miss with that. I will say this, like, I do agree with both of you guys. The acting in this movie is spectacular. Like, thank God this kid actor didn't ruin the movie. Now, I will say this, the casting on the kid was a little weird, but maybe it was intentional because they're like, oh, this kid's 12 or whatever the fuck his age was. And I'm like, that motherfucker ain't a day over seven. Tiny little boy. <laughs> but I mean, the acting's fine. You know, like, Carrie Russell's great. Jesse Plemons is great. The kid is, is, is very good at what he does. For what they called for that kid to do, he did a very good job of it. You know, there's those aspects of it. It's just, it kind of just, like I said, it whimpered at the end. You know, it's um, just falls so flat. And I did also have some issues with some of the storylines involving Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons. Like there's some hints towards things that happened in their past as children. And it just kind of muddies the waters with those. I think I understood what they were trying to do with it. And the reason why I say I think, because if that's what they were trying to do, they did a poor job of thematically getting that across. I think that alludes to a lot of what you were referring to, Jaspin. You know, with... Yeah. Thematically, it just... It had some great ideas, and, you know, maybe I can connect the dots... But I feel like I might have like connected the dots. Like it's like they have a bunch of dots on the paper, and none of them are numbered. And I connected the dots, and I got a lion. And then it's like somebody else, like the artist or whoever put the dots, was like, uh, "You were supposed to get a panda bear." I'm like, "Fuck, dude! I don't know. I connected the dots. What do I know? It's just some dots." So I'm just so hit or miss on this movie. Like I think I enjoyed it more when I saw it, but then like sitting on it for like a day. Even I, I felt my opinion on the movie changing because I'm, I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, well, what about this part? What about this? What about this? What about this? So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And 
before we get into recommendations and scores, I want to go on a non-spoilery rant. Kind of like akin to what Justin did with Halloween. This is 2021. Uh-oh. Can we stop fucking talking in movie theaters at this point? I thought we all knew this. <laughs> Can we just fucking stop? Is <laughs> that still have to be a thing? I'm sitting in the movie theater and I go to an AMC and AMC, you get to select your seats when you get your tickets and you can see what other seats are selected because, you know, you have to know what seats to not get, you know? So I buy my ticket. I'm when I buy my ticket for antlers, the only person to buy a ticket at that point, no one else had a ticket. Whenever I went to select my seat, no seats taken empty fucking theater. When I get into that theater, there is a total of five people in that movie theater, and that's including me. So there's four other people in this movie theater. Do you know where they're sitting, my fellow podcast Uh-oh. host? Do you know where these four people are sitting in this? And it's a small theater. It's a 36-seater. Like, it only sits like 36 people. But do you know where these four people were? Next to you? Yes. Right the fuck next to me. That means these fucking people went, you know what? This is an empty fucking theater. This one person has bought this one seat in the very middle of the back row because that's where Sterling sits every fucking time he goes to a movie. You know what I'm going to do? Buy the fucking seats right next to him. So I had two people literally directly next to me. The other people were slightly less assholes, but they, you know, because the, the seats are in pairs kind of. So they skipped my pair seat and then went there. And the two seats next to that. So in the span of six seats, there were five people in an empty fucking theater. Because those motherfuckers have no dignity or soul. But to make it worse, the people that were seated directly next to me, the male of that couple did not shut his fucking mouth the entire fucking movie. And it wasn't like he was oh, just no. like, talking or exclaiming. Like there were times he would be like something would happen and he'd go, oh shit. Whatever. That's fine. You're exclaiming. Do you need to explain with like exclaim with words in a movie theater? No, you don't. But some people do. That's what their natural reaction is to things. I get it. Fine. Whatever. But then he'd sit there and be like, he'd just talk to his girlfriend. Like he's explaining the movie as it's happening to his girlfriend. Who, mind you, I'm going to assume is not blind. Because she was looking at the fucking screen the whole time. But he's telling her what's happening on the screen. Like a, like half a second after it happens. But then he's also doing so very wrong. That's and I will get into a specific scene when we get into spoilers. That they com- he completely fucking butchered. If he was, I don't know, paying attention to the movie instead of, I don't know, fucking narrating it. But he's doing this. And I let it happen for two-thirds of the movie. I'm doing my best annoyed white person fucking noises at them, though. (laughs) You know, I'm sitting there, and he fucking talks, and I go, ugh. And he fucking (laughs) talks, and I'm like, mmm. But he wouldn't get in the head. But it's not getting the head. And so finally, at one point, about two-thirds of the way in the movie, I just leaned forward and turned to him and go, can you fucking not talk? And he's like, oh, sorry. And then we had a power outage. 
and it knocked like it just was real quick but it knocked down the projector so the movie stopped whatever we had to wait we had to wait we had to wait movie comes back up and it's like that little break when that happened reinvigorated his fucking need to talk because he just started back up again like instantly and it was like okay babe i know you just watched the first you know 90 percent of this movie let me explain to you what happened in the first 90 percent again so you can understand the last 10 percent even though it's only been three minutes since you stopped watching the first 90% of the movie. And I just leaned forward again and looked at him and I'm like, do I need to say it again? Like, are you fucking serious? And I mean, and I timed it right. Cause I, you know, I didn't look over and see what he looked like before I fucking asked him to stop talking, but he got up at one point and he's like, just, it's, this is like halfway through the movie. He just exclaims. He goes, Oh man, I really need to pee. I can't hold it. Finish me up when I get back. And then he fucking gets up and leaves. Now, if there was ever the like stereotypical look of like a neckbeard basement dweller, it is this human being. He is the comic book man from The Simpsons in human form. Okay. Okay. That's why when he came back and started talking again, I knew I would have no problem telling, like saying, can you fucking not talk? Because I was like, oh, he has no spine. He won't say anything back to me. This won't be a kerfuffle in any way, shape or form because he's pretty much a child. He might have been 35, but in his brain, he was a child. And I don't mean that in a way of like, you know, like mental illness or learning disabilities or anything like that. No, I just mean that this is a grown adult who, for all intents and purposes, can't do adult things because, I don't know, they're too hard. Like bathing more than once a week would be a chore for this man. So it's fine. I have no problem saying he is a man child. And then, and this is what makes it worse. Like, when we get out of the theater, I finally see this man, like, truly as he is. Because, you know, now there's lights. There's all this stuff. And this man, I easily, 38, 39. Not a well-kept-together 38, 39. Like, maybe he could have been maybe in his late or early 30s. But, you know, has eaten too many chicken nuggies and pizza rolls. To look like somebody that's in their early 30s. And Mountain Dew. Don't forget the Mountain Dew. I'm sorry. And drink all the Mountain Dew. And then I see his girlfriend. And she looks like she's maybe, maybe, maybe 20. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, you're one of those gross people. Like, you can't get anybody remotely close to your age because, you know, you're not an adult. And, like, don't get me wrong. I spend my adult money on tons of bullshit that adults should not buy. Like, I have every Moon Knight Funko Pop that has been made. There's five different variations. I have all of them. You know, 
I get it. You know, that's kind of what us millennials do. We spend adult money on kid shit sometimes. Or what traditionally would be considered kid shit. That's fine. Not talking about that. But because he is a child and cannot find another adult, it's like he goes and targets children that will just then think he's cool because he's like the adult version of what kids in their 20s want. You know, no responsibilities, you eat chicken nuggets all the time, you know, you watch fucking anime. I guess that's what kids do. I still don't get it. But all those things, and so they fucking latch on to him. Oh, come on. It's just come a terrible on. fucking Don't thing. hate on anime. I will never not hate on anime. <laughs> but, like, it's it's it just it felt gross, just, like, looking at them. And it's not because he was out of shape. That's fine. You can be out of shape. I'm not trying to body shame. I'm trying to lifestyle shame in a way of you look like somebody that comes in socks all the time. You masturbate into socks and or pillows all the time. I'm just saying this man looked like that. And she and she could have just been somebody that looked young. For all I know, she could have been 28 and just looks young. And that's fine. Not trying to shame her either. It just looked like a grooming relationship. You know what I mean? It looked like it. And I know we're not supposed to judge on looks. They've been telling us that since first grade. Do you know what nobody's never done, though? Not done that. No matter how many times we've been told to not do that, we've all fucking done it. And I was. I completely judged the fuck out of him over looks. And I know, Sterling, you're sitting there thinking, this is the Antlers episode. Yes, but this happened to me during Antlers, and it might have affected my score, because I was just not in a happy place with this movie, so I had to explain all the reasons why. So. That's the end of my rant. So, anyway, uh, recommendations and scores? Yes. Yeah. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Heather, go. Um, I mean, it's really hard to say because I, I wouldn't just be like, guys, you have to see antlers. But it was. I mean, it was anticipated for like two years and it's not bad, you know, I, and it is, it's a different enough story. It's unique enough in my opinion to feel like it, it has a little bit of a standout as far as what the story is. Um, so sure. I, I guess I would say recommend it. Um, it's probably an acquired taste for some. So <laughs> again, I'll pull a page from Sterling's book of, Watch it if you want to. Don't watch it if you don't. Like, it's not a must-see. But if you feel like it's your style of movie, then yes, I would say watch it. I will give this movie... Um, hmm. I mean, I guess I'll give it like um, I'll give it 60 torn up, very disturbing drawings by a young kid out of 100. Justin, what about you? Um, yeah, um, I think I'm in a similar place as you, Heather. I'm. It's not. I'm not going to say that it's a must see movie or anything like that. But like I said, um, I didn't have a bad time watching this. I think that 
with it being Halloween and the you know and in the Halloween spirit and you're in the mood to watch something scary, you could do a lot worse than Antlers. Like it, it was fine. It I think it captured if that's what you're into and you know that's kind of what Halloween is and stuff like that. You know, uh, um, especially when it comes to me. You know, around this time, around Halloween and stuff like that, I want to see something spooky. You know, you you get in the you thinking about it, you get in the mood for something like that. And this is one of those movies where if you know you're you you want a creepy feature, you can you can watch this, and I think that you'll have a fine time watching this. And I did like the build up most of the time and the acting was 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 good and things like that you know that there's nothing like like again this is not a bad film it, it was serviceable in just about every way and you know if i'm complaining about anything i just wish that it had been a little bit more so then i could come on here and sing its praises more but by the time you get to the end you just kind of walk away going okay you know, okay, that happened. You know, I saw a movie and it, it was it was fine. I enjoyed it. It was it was pretty solid. And it ends, and you're like, okay, cool. I didn't waste my money. You know, the, that's how I felt. And I think that if you do get a chance to see it in the theaters, I, you know, I, now I can't speak from experience. It's not like I watched it in the theater and then went home and watched it. Or anything like that. But this is one where I feel like I did probably enjoy it more because I saw it in a theater. Now, I can't say the same thing for Sterling. (laughs) Sorry that happened to you. But uh, that didn't happen to me, man. I was was in a little place by myself. And luckily, the people that came in were elsewhere and did not disturb me. So I did enjoy watching this in the movie theater. I think that with the sound up and everything like that, when there were jump scares and different things like that, or when there was certain sudden sounds or when characters could hear something in the distance and stuff like that, I do feel that all of that sort of added to the tension that this was trying to build. And tension is a big part of this. So I would recommend seeing it. Um, you know, in the movie theater, you know, if you can, you know, you know, and if you have to wait, then wait. But I, um, you know, I'm not going to say risk life and limb to see it, but I enjoyed it. I think this was an enjoyable theater experience overall. So with that being said, we're going to go with. We'll go with I'll give it a, a little bit more than Heather. I, I, I think it was about a 62. Yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, 62 Wendigo antlers impaling your left arm out of 100. Um, no, nah, I disagree with Justin. Don't watch this in a theater. There's no reason to watch this movie in a theater. <laughs> Bad people go to this movie in a theater. Um, no, just in general, I don't, I just don't think it's worth the theater going experience. And I just mean that in a way of we're in a pandemic, so don't bother. Um, wait till it's, wait a month, it'll be on Netflix or Amazon or something. I think this is a fine movie to stream. I don't think it's good enough to fucking spend money on. 
outside of money you're already spending. Like I luck out, I'm an AMC uh, Stubbs A list or yeah, I'm an a, uh, AMC A list member. So I pin I spend twenty dollars a month and I get three movie tickets a week anyway. So like I'm not out any money for seeing this. You know, I'm already spending my month uh, money monthly, so it's it's the same as streaming, but I get to go to a theater. So I'm not I'm not offended by seeing this movie that way. So if you get your tickets that way, sure, fuck it, go watch this. But if you have to purchase movie tickets for this movie specifically, like your money has to directly go to purchasing these tickets, don't bother. It's not worth that. Just wait till it's on streaming. It's fine. It's fine enough. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to not hold the assholes next to me against this movie and how it did color my my you know feelings towards this movie because it's just in a bad mood. But I think if you had asked me right after I saw the movie, I probably would have said like a 68. I think giving it some time and just mentally thinking about this movie in general and all this other stuff, I'm going to have to go with how I feel now. I'm going to give it a 55. Uh, 55, uh, I guess, shit in a monkey head? A sock monkey head? Out of 100. Spoilers? Yep. Yep. All right, now I can finish my story about this couple. So, one of the things that specifically just is burned into my fucking brain is there's this, you guys remember the scene in the movie where the cops are in the attic of the little boy's house and they find like the dead principal and then they find that pile of burnt skin from the dad? Yeah. From when he turned into the Wendigo? Mm-hmm. they're doing that scene and they've got you know the the cops and the the principal in the background and so in the foreground at the bottom of the screen is the is the burnt skin of the dad that we saw happening because we saw the scene of the window go coming out of him yeah. we saw that scene happen so we all knew everyone knew that that skin lying on the ground was the dad's skin right we all knew this right yeah. Yes. This motherfucker goes, oh, that's the brother. <laughs> I'm like, what fucking movie oh, are boy. you watching? <laughs> that's the he fucking he was Wendigo skin. Remember? I was just like, that's all I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, that's the brother. No, that's the dad's skin. We watched it. I remember because you were talking about how his skin's burning off five fucking seconds ago. And he just jumped to that. That's the kind of shit I was dealing with with this whole movie. Is he would just say oh, shit because he's not paying attention. And he's just wrong all the fucking time. It's just that <laughs> I mean, scene maybe was if, just so burned maybe, in my head. Maybe if he thought like for a brief second it was a body like not just skin but it was pretty clear that it was just skin <laughs> it was just a gigantic fucking pile though yeah like i'm just like fucking it like that's the shit i was dealing with 
that shit. That's terrible. That sounds awful. Like the worst movie experience <sighs> ever. It was. It so was. Anyway, let's go further into spoilers. How the fuck did Jesse Plemons become infected with Wendigo? How did he get Wendigo? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't even know. Yeah. Also, how did the dad get Wendigo? How did the little brother get Wendigo? I don't know how anybody gets Wendigo in this movie. Like, yeah. I know at least with the lore I know, and I could be wrong because I, I, I've there's been Wendigo stories, you know, in different f- shows and t- comics and all kinds of stuff. The lore I know is I thought the Wendigo had. There's multiple versions of it, and the one they were going for in this movie, I thought it would be that the Wendigo would have to bite you, to then make you a Wendigo, kind of like werewolves. Except you get bit, so you're infected, and you're just constantly hungry, but you're still human-esque until you eat human flesh. Once you get to the point that you eat human flesh, you are now, that's when you become Wendigo. Is that you've then crossed that line. That's what I thought we were getting in this movie. I thought that that's what happened, is the dad got bit, maybe the little boy got bit, because they went into the mine together, whatever, you know what I mean? Or maybe the dad bit the little boy, whatever. I thought that that's what we got. I was 97% sure that that's what this movie was doing until the end of the movie when Jesse Plemons had one to go. Because he didn't get bit. So I was just confused as fuck. I don't know how Wendigo is spread. I know. And that ruins it for me. Like, and it's, it's not, well, it doesn't necessarily ruin it for me. But that's a big thing that then kind of weighs on me. Because then I'm like, well, then what is the fear? Is the fear that you could just randomly become Wendigo? Because that changes the tone of the movie. If anybody that just encounters Wendigo can randomly turn Wendigo, that changes the tone. Being bit and having that slow type of death sentence or decline, that's, you know, that's one tone. Like, just, you need to know how it's spread because it affects how, what you're scared of in the movie. Because if you don't know what to be weary of, you don't know what to fear. Other than, yes, a monster killing you. Of course, yeah, you fear that, but that's not the full aspect of it, you know? That's not the full inclination of what this was. Because then other than that, other traditional lore is you're just person until you eat human meat and then you become Wendigo. You're not infected and then when you eat it, you become, no, you just, when you find, like if you are ever so hungry that you eat human flesh, you become Wendigo. And then you crave human flesh. It's like, then it's that cycle of you're always hungry and always wanting and all that other shit. You know, there's that aspect of it. But, you know, so, like, that's, see, like, if that was the version of this, wouldn't that change the tone of the movie? If they went off that lore? Yeah. You know, it changes the story of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And I've even heard some where it's like, they, you know, it can, it, it preys on, like, people who are, 
like greedy people and stuff like that like wasn't there something about the wendigo being insatiable like it it needed to eat all the time it was hungry all the time it wanted to consume 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 and that's what it preyed upon is some people who were greedy and stuff like wasn't there something like about it i've seen some stuff like that justin where it's the idea of that where it's you know you're always hungry you can never be satiated so it's the idea of gluttony and greed with it I have seen some stuff that have done twists of it like that. But traditionally, the Wendigo always has to do with eating a person. Because you're so, like, you're naturally, either you're naturally that hungry, like it's you and your best friend are stuck out in the fucking ice in Canada, like up in northern Canada. There's no one around for hundreds of miles. It's you. You're there. You're both dying. They die. What do you do? You're so hungry. You eat your friend. Wendigo. It's that that desperation out of hunger that creates it. And it's the same kind of situation in this, where the brother and the dad, whilst being non-human humans, weren't Wendigo until he ate that teacher. And once he consumed the teacher, it's, it's that final step. It's that one step too far. You know, yeah, you're hungry, this and that, and all this other stuff, but... You did the ultimate sin of eating a person. Now you're Wendigo. Which is what they set up in it. But then then they had the thing with the other police chief and he was talking about the Lord and all this other stuff where they had it of you put out the flame of the Wendigo and so that way it has to like go search for another host or whatever. And then it just jumped into the other little boy. I'm like, well, he didn't eat anybody. See, once again, it changes the rules on us type of situation. Where there's no clear-cut and defined ways that stay true throughout the whole movie. So then, once again, what are you scared of? So are we supposed to believe that maybe Jesse Plemons was on death's door for being stabbed via Wendigo horns? And the Wendigo spirit just jumped into him? Is that what we're supposed to believe? That's fine if that's what we're supposed to believe, but then be more definitive about it. No. Because right now, uh, Wendigoism is just fucking random as shit. You know? Like, for all we know, the rules of Wendigoism in this is if you have three freckles on your fucking left ass cheek, you're more susceptible to Wendigoism. And we just didn't know that that's something that all three of those men uh, shared. If I was in this universe and I knew that rule, I would not be scared of Wendigoism because I do not have that trait. <laughs> it's just, what are you consistent about? Like you need, that's one thing. I think more than most genres, I think horror movies need and crave rules. I think the better horror films have rules. Even if the rules they're setting up are breaking the rules, that's fine. But you need that structure, because that's what helps make fear happen. Because, you know, if you're watching a movie, and it's like, this demon only kills redheads with green eyes, and you're in the audience, and you're a fucking brown-haired, I don't know, brown-eyed person, it kind of, wouldn't that take you out of the movie a little bit? 
Like, wouldn't that make you less scared if you knew it only killed redheads and redheads with green eyes? Yeah. It would just automatically lower your tension level in that movie. You know? And that's what these, like, that's what rules are good for in horror movies. They can change how you perceive that fear. I think one of the best examples of that is the first Scream movie. Where they openly acknowledge the rules to horror films. Whilst, Mm -hmm. like, they parody it, but do it. And it fucking feels so good. So good. You know? Like, it helps establish that thing, like. And when it's just something like this, it's just like, you don't know what to be afraid of. Because the movie doesn't know what to make you afraid of. And then, I don't know, maybe this, and this is going into a lot of what me and Justin were talking about, how some of the thematic elements in the movie. Was the Wendigo supposed to be also a... Allegory for childhood trauma? Or not? I don't know. Yeah, some kind of trauma, but but like but but it's just like what you're saying. Like when the movie starts, you get that opening text about the world was bad. Oh, oh Justin, so, Justin, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you know why I don't remember the text at the beginning of the movie? Why? Because the fucking guy talking was reading it at the same time <laughs> while the guy was fucking saying it and the words were going oh, on the man. screen. So I was just fucking pissed. So I'm like hearing dual words and the fuck, like I wasn't paying attention. I was just like, the movie's just starting. Is this really what's going to be like the whole movie? And it was. Sorry, I, I completely blacked that out until you said the narration at the beginning of the words at the beginning. I went, oh, fuck, that's the reason I don't remember that shit. I was in blind anger. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. probably so. But but what I was going to say and the point I was trying to make with that was is that, you know, and, and just kind of more expounding on your point about like what was the meaning behind that or what were the rules of the Wendigo like? At the beginning, that text says that, you know, the world, you know, Mother Nature is hurting because of the way that humans have been acting and people have been hurting Mother Earth. So the a malevolent spirit was created and it preys on the weak. It said something like it. I'm paraphrasing, but it said something like it preys on the weak. And everything like that. And let's just hope that it's not you. You know, it said something like that with the with the opening text at the end. So, yeah, like and that's what I mean by the these thematic elements. I'm wondering or or at least I feel like they didn't quite come together at the end because I thought Okay, the Wendigo is, that's how it got to these people. These people were weak somehow, or suffering from trauma somehow, or something like that. You know, I thought maybe it was kind of like you said, this allegory for trauma and how that 
weakens you if you don't face it. You know, something like that. You know, the burdens of these burdens and these things, this trauma that you carry uh, can weaken you if you don't face it. So I thought maybe that was sort of the theme. But like you said, that doesn't really explain how the Wendigo was transferring. So at the end, did it transfer into the brother because he's weak? You know, was he suffering from something? Because, you know, we know the sister was, and and, and he had a little of that too. He experienced some of that with the father and everything too. But he didn't seem like a quote-unquote weak character or somebody who was suffering from trauma or anything, or at least he didn't seem to be as affected by it as his sister was. It probably had some effects. You know, he talked about a a little bit about how he was affected, but it seemed like he was somebody who had kind of moved on more than the sister had. So, yeah. So at the end, when it was him, it just didn't land with me, you know, because I'm trying to put all these seeds, like you said, these dots. I won't say seeds. I'll say dots. I'll go with your analogy earlier. I'm trying to put all these dots together and I just don't feel that it all quite landed, especially when you consider that opening text. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of like when you build an Ikea shelf and then you randomly have parts left over at the end. And you're like, wait, what the fuck are these parts? Fuck. Like, that's kind of what they did with the theme of this movie. <laughs> they put all these elements in there and I don't see how they fully connect. Like, they had that aspect of Carrie Russell was obviously molested by her father and all this stuff. But then there's those scenes of him curled up naked on her bed, cuddling a pillow, crying. And I'm like, what does that have to do with this? You never find out. But that scene's in the movie for a good, what, 15, 20 seconds? And that never correlates to any sort of explanation to anything later. And then, yeah, she ran away. And she they did this fucking trope that I'm also tired of. Where there's an abusive parent and the older one leaves. And then they come back later when the parents are gone. And they're like talking to their younger sibling. And they're always like, I know you can't forgive me for this. Or I can't forgive myself for this. Or I wish you could forgive me for leaving you and all this stuff. And the other one's like, you don't know what I went through because of that. But then you also never find out what they went through. So you're just like, that's a cool Mm -hmm. statement to make that doesn't correlate to anything in the end either. And they did that in this fucking movie. Like, you know, so there's those fucking things that like kept popping in this movie. Because like Jesse Plemons, when she does that to him, she's like, he's like, you don't know what happened to me. Well, yeah, neither does the audience. And they never do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, like I yeah. said, none of that correlates back to, like, Carrie Russell's character. I know that that's part of the reason why she's, like, a fish out of water in that town. Because she had left at a young age. Or whatever, left and ran away from her dad and all this other shit. And she's now having to come back and all this stuff. Like, there is those elements of it. But at the same time, you don't get... With those elements, you don't really tie in thematically with the movie. You know, and like, like I said, there's that scene where her dad's naked on her bed, cuddling with a pillow, crying. 
what does that scene mean? You know, what 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 does that tie into her trauma? Because that's a weird fucking scene with no explanation, you know? So there's just elements like that that I don't tie into anything, but then that's what I'm saying. Like, is the theme of this trauma, you know? Because, like, defeating the Wendigo is defeating your trauma or something. Like, I... Th- think that that might have been something this movie was trying to say i don't know because if it was it didn't say it well so i don't know it just makes no sense to me and also with the whole idea of like the wendigo infects the weak or whatever i mean that's a little cheap to that infect like a fucking seven-year-old boy at the end like he's just seven like what can any seven-year-old do without parents that doesn't make a week like, that's a weird thing. You know? So that's what I don't understand with that. But then also, what made him turn into the Wendigo? Like, that that part of it's not explained. Like, we clearly see why the dad turned. But we don't see why the kid turned, other than the other one died. And I'm like, well, that's weak, because then... How did the dad not turn whenever the one I don't know... Did they kill the other one? That's the other thing, too. What happened to the Wendigo that was in the cave at the beginning of the movie? Did they kill it? No one knows. It's never addressed. Yeah, that's true. There's just another Wendigo running around. Did it sneak up and bite Jesse Plemons and we didn't see it? When he was sitting in the pickup and she was (laughs) in the cave? Maybe that's what happened. Who knows? Not this movie. Yeah, it doesn't really explain, yeah, what something had to have, there had to have been one at the beginning to start the whole chain reaction, and we just don't get that. And yeah, it was like, it it was almost like it was too subtle. there, There were too many subtle things it was trying to do, subtle artistic things, and it just didn't quite give you the substance that needs to go with that stuff you know like even like there was a scene um with her where she's in the store and you see that she's tempted to yeah buy alcohol yes like you see her at the store and like you know she's and then the 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 clerk is like one more thing and she's looking staring glaring at this alcohol and man, you know, the the actress did such a great job. And Julie is staring at this alcohol and it's like she's tempted. So, you know, it made me think, okay, was she an alcoholic? Did she recover from that? And so this was a temptation to go back to alcohol. And we're seeing her like in in real time resist the alcohol because she was that person and she overcame it. Or was the alcohol a reminder or somehow tied in with the trauma with the father? Was the father an alcoholic? Does alcohol have something to do with the trauma and not so much something she became after the trauma? I don't know. Yeah, like the idea of like his breath smelled like alcohol when he was attacking her. You know, so the idea of alcohol 
brings back memories. No, that's a very, I didn't even think of that. And I agree. Like they did the scenes and I thought it was like, Oh, she's recovering alcoholic, whatever. But then that's the extent of her temptation. I thought that that was going to play a bigger part Mm, in the movie. That's true. But the extent of her temptation is just staring at a bottle in a gas station. And it's weird. Like, yeah, it's like they had a bunch of deleted scenes that would have explained it at all or something. There's a deleted scene where she pulls her, pours herself a glass of whiskey and she's about to down it. And her brother goes like walks in and goes, I thought you were past this. And she's like, it's just too hard. And then they have like some moment together or something. That scene's missing from Literally this movie. Literally all you need. Like, cause it's obviously <laughs> yeah. a part of the script, but it's just not in the movie. So all these other scenes that might tie to it make no sense, but they left them in the movie. Or it's like you said, Justin, is it a, is it something that was related to the trauma that she experienced as a child? And you could have the same reaction to it of she's staring at it and it's giving her flashbacks to it. That's that's very much a possibility, Justin. And the movie doesn't say that either. So what is what, yeah. like the, what's it saying? That's the problem. Is it doesn't say what it's saying. Yeah, and like you said, that 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 needed to be revisited somehow, and it just wasn't. So it sucks because I do like if that was a way up for them to show that she's a recovering alcoholic. That was a cool way to show that without saying it. Without doing, without saying anything and letting the actress just portray that. That was a very effective scene because I was like, oh man, that something's going on here. But then we just didn't get an answer to it. So now that's just a scene that, that, that even though it was acted effectively, it just loses, it, it doesn't have the weight that it should have. It doesn't have the meaning it should have. And I guess there's all kinds of examples of that kind of stuff in here where there was a good idea. There was some effective acting, but man, we just didn't stick the landing with some of these ideas. Yeah. At a certain point, this movie just goes, fuck it. We're ending it. And that's the problem (laughs) because it doesn't, there's no resolution to any of the thing of the remembering of her trauma or any of that stuff. That would have been a nice thing because if, if this was to, like, if the wouldn't go in this movie was to represent childhood trauma and overcoming it, because, like, the boys in this were obviously, you know, traumatized by the fact that her, their mother died and their father was a fucking meth dealer and a meth user and all this other stuff. And there's trauma from them being, you know, hungry and all this other stuff that they could have brought to this movie. And then, like, using the Wendigo as the actual allegory for that. And so by confronting her trauma as a kid that helped them beat the Wendigo, all this stuff, whatever. That would have been an effective way of doing this movie, but then they didn't do that. Ultimately, it's just they did that to explain why she was weird being back in the town. And I guess that's fine, but it, then it just seemed kind of gratuitous at that point. Like I said, that still doesn't really help the scene with the dad crying on the bed. That doesn't fix that scene. Yeah, it doesn't. And there needed to be a way like, and obviously like she noticed that the, the child was suffering in some sort of ways. And she kind of gravitated towards him because of 
her own experiences. Like she could tell that the kid was, you know, she could sense that because of what she had gone through. And there just needed to be a way to bring all of this together. Like, so that kid was hiding the fact that this was going on with his father and his brother and everything. And he had them locked in this room and everything. So he's hiding these things about him and he doesn't want people to know and he's concealing that he's drawing these pictures and he doesn't want to tell anybody about this so i wish there was something she was hiding maybe that could have been the alcoholism maybe she was hiding that from her brother you know i don't know it just uh, why didn't they they parallel more i mean i think they thought they had it with the trauma and everything like that. But I just wish that there was a way they could have found a way to kind of just like, like we've said, stick the land and make all of those things parallel and then line up. And then, so that way the characters are having a similar arc and we get it by the end, you know, but yeah. Yeah. It just never, I don't know. Just it didn't stick the landing on so many random things in this movie, and then you're sitting there with, like I said, you're sitting there with an incomplete movie at the end, and it just kind of is very frustrating, especially when you're doing a slow build. When you're doing a slow build, that's when you explain shit. That's the purpose of the slow build, and then just a. Like I said, they're doing the slow build and they just go, eh, in the movie now. And you're like, okay. So. It's such a shame too, because that Wendigo looks so damn cool. Yeah. It looks so damn cool, but then it was just kind of a thing. Like, it just... You're just like, oh, that's that's all the Wendigo witness we get is dimly lit and out of focus outside of the house. Out of focus during the daylight killing a kid. And then dimly lit and sometimes in focus in a cave. I'm like, come on. <laughs> How do you have a creature that looks really cool and you just subjugate it to dimly litness or blurry? Dumb decision. Maybe that was a budget thing, though. Like, they couldn't really afford to show it fully rendered. So they they had to show it just partially rendered constantly. Anyway. Um, Justin, what about you? What are your, what are just some uh, spoilery thoughts you had about this movie? Well, yeah. And, and I mean, other than just some of those things that have already been said, and we kind of were going back and forth there. But, yeah, it's just... So when you, by the time you get to the end, it's just kind of disappointing because I guess what makes it so disappointing is because the journey to get there was intriguing. It was good. You know, like the journey to get there, I was intrigued the whole time and seeing the characters get to know each other, you know, the, the, the scene in the, in, in the ice cream shop with, um, with the two characters was good and you know with her trying to connect to the child and everything and then him sort of um resisting that a little bit but still opened up a little bit but not enough because he's withholding something like there were a lot of 
scenes that I thought were effective. And then as you're going through and trying to figure out what's going on and, um, you know, and then it was very interesting that he was hiding his father and his brother because of this thing that happened and he was hiding them and feeding them and everything like that. You know, there are some really like very interesting, very cool things about this that they did. Well, you know, you've got this kid and he's basically living with these people who have become monsters, but they're his family members. So he's trying to like keep them alive and take care of them, but they're dangerous and everything like that. That's a very like compelling that that that's good stuff, I think, you know, but I just wish that like I said, what we talked about, those thematic elements had just come together the right way at the end. Because I really did think the story was intriguing up to that point. And then, you know, it was putting these pieces down. And like we talked about, we got to see that flashback, the traumatic scene with her father naked or whatever, bound and yelling and all of that stuff. So you're getting all these pieces and you're so intrigued and you're like, oh man, like, wow, this is really going somewhere. And then it's like you said, then it kind of just ends, but it not only ends, it ends in just kind of a typical horror movie, monster movie like fashion. You know, we kill the monster. It seems like everything's okay, but oh no, we have to give you that last clue that the monster is still alive or could come back or something like that. And so it just ended in such a typical way and you just wish that it had had some sort of more interesting way to end as well you know maybe if it ended in a more interesting way even though we didn't get those elements that we wanted and didn't answer all of those questions even if it had ended in an interesting way maybe you could have forgiven or overlooked some of that stuff a little bit more because the movie ended in just such an interesting, compelling way. But for it to have kind of just ended so like typical of these kinds of movies, I think that just sort of added more to the kind of the, ugh, you just kind of feel at the end. You know what I mean? Well, I get you. But yeah, but other than that, I mean, that was pretty much it, man. I mean, that was just the big thing. Like, I thought that the journey up until that point and the seeds that they were planting were were okay. I just wish it grew into what they, I just don't know if it grew into what they thought it was at the beginning, you know, like when it finally grew, we're supposed to have this app, you know, um, this tree with all this fruit and everything. And then we just didn't quite, you know, I don't know. We didn't put enough water. It didn't get enough sun. So, and we didn't just quite get what we thought we got when we put the seeds in the ground. So it's unfortunate, but you know, but, but still a a good movie. I mean, still a movie that is better overall. The sum is better than just those individual parts that I think didn't quite hit, but yeah, man, but this is the kind of movie where, like you said, it's a slow burn. It's a story that's building on a kind of a mystery and you're having to figure it out. So when you do figure it out, you just wish it had been more powerful at the end. So, yeah. Uh, Heather, what about you? It's interesting because 
the performances of the people, the characters, they were intriguing enough for you to care more about that background story of Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons when they were kids. Um, and we don't get that. And to me, that was disappointing because that storyline seemed really interesting. And I really wanted to know what happened there, all of the elements really that go along with that, because that's also clearly a big reason that um, Carrie Russell's character has this connection with this kid, right? And so I just feel like they're only giving you little glimpses of it, which again, you know, you don't always need the full-fledged everything with background stories of characters, but because it felt like it was such a big part of what what's driving this character and these family members to have this kind of, you know, tension between them. It just feels like it deserved a little bit more screen time as to what happened there. Um, and that's unfortunate because I think that would have been a really interesting element to bring to this story. So that was a little bit disappointing. Um, and yeah, I, I do think like it, it just really does feel like it's a bunch of, like deleted scenes out there and that somebody was just like, you know what? We have to cut like half an hour off this movie or something. And they just have the footage somewhere that completes the story for us in a lot of ways. That's what it feels like with this movie. Like it's like if you just a quick scene or a quick couple of lines that would just kind of explain something just a little bit, like even the, the alcohol thing. I actually was kind of with Sterling on that. I was like, I thought she was an alcoholic. You know what I mean? Like that she was struggling with that because of what had happened to her, whatever PTSD of maybe coming back, but it doesn't explain it. It doesn't go into it. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just kind of, you know, it's just missed opportunities really kind of left and right in this movie. Um, but again, like they, it's almost like, they almost had the characters fleshed out enough, but not quite. <laughs> they were like almost there and then they just decided to stop. So I don't know why they did that, but, um, and kind of the only real moment that you see of her admitting sort of what even happened was with the, uh, the lady, was she a caseworker? Was she, she was part of the school, right? The lady who went to the house and got, you know, eaten. She was like a, was she the principal or like, she was somebody from the school, whoever that lady was. Um, I would just, I was assuming she was the principal. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was the principal. Um, yeah, probably was. But anyway, so she, you know, there's also that trope too, that I'm a little bit annoyed with also where they always, it's the same thing they do with cops, right? They act like cops are just dumb and have no idea what they're doing and just don't care about things that they clearly should and would care about, or you would hope they would. Like when she's explaining about this boy's drawings and this whatever, she's just kind of like, okay, so what? You know, like, you know, just everything that she, that Carrie Russell was explaining was just, she was like, eh, it's probably fine. It's okay. All this stuff. Like, you know, we're, we're not qualified to make assumptions about that. Like really just trying to brush off this case of this kid when it's like, if you're the principal of that school, no, you don't just brush that off. Like, and I just feel like they always have that trope of the bad principal or the bad, you know, sheriff or whoever that they just make them out to, to be like, they don't actually care about what their literal job is, <laughs> you know? And it's just funny because they always have to have that character. But 
Um, anyway, so that was kind of really the only time that she sort of opened up and like admitted a little bit of what happened until she started talking to her brother when they were in the hospital. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I feel like that would have been a really great backstory to dive into more, uh, just based on her connection with this kid. So I, I was disappointed with that. But again, I, I just think that they, they were, um, they were interesting enough to really make you want that. So I think that does say something for the movie and the performances. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like that it's just like, okay, so what happened in this cave? What happened at the end? Why is Jesse Plemons infected? Like just, there are so many, <laughs> so many questions. Um, and then with the siblings that are kind of, you know, not on great terms. Um, it's, <laughs> I, I hated how much they did the whole, like Jesse Plemons would sneak up on her <laughs> and he wasn't really even sneaking up on her. But I mean, how many times did she just go out of her mind scared when he was behind her and like, just gently put his hand on her shoulder or you know, something. It was just like, they did that so much where like, yeah, they, they just completely, did that more than they should have. And it's like, okay, we get it. She's traumatized. She's scared. She doesn't trust people. And he keeps sneaking up behind her. (laughs) You would think that he would know by now also not to do that. Um, but also like my thing with it too, is whenever, um, Jesse Plemons gets hurt really badly by the, the creature, um, He's he's just along for the ride for her to go to that cave and find the boy. And it's like, why didn't nobody think to take him to the hospital first? <laughs> like, it's not like he went in the cave with her. You know, he was just sitting out there while she got the boy. And I get that, you know, she was probably like, oh, we need to get this boy before it's too late. But I'm like, dude, your brother could possibly die. He's in really bad shape. So I just thought it was weird that they're like, I have to go to this cave first before I take you to a hospital to get help. Like <laughs> it was, it was just weird to me that the, they didn't take him there first or have somebody take him there. And she's like, you know what? You have to go to the hospital. I'm going to meet you after that. I have to find this kid. Cause clearly that kid was fine and he knew that cave. So he would have been fine if they took him to the hospital first. Yeah. Like, but you know I, mean, I, mean? I, I get the whole aspect of like, you know, you want to go save the kid. But, I don't know, leave your brother there and call an ambulance. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, literally you anything. Save the kid, call an ambulance. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I have somebody that I'm calling to come and take you to the hospital. I'm going to go do this thing. Or, but yeah, just while like, you're okay. going in the cave to get the kid, say you're like, fuck it, no, we're driving there. Okay, call the ambulance and tell them to fucking pick him up outside the cave. Like... Right, like, do that we're then. going, be there in 10 or whatever. Yeah. No, for sure. Like, just anything. But it's like, okay, you hang in there. This will be real quick. I mean, like, that's your brother. And he looked like he was about to die. So, <laughs> it was just a very strange, like, way to approach that. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I think, and, and it just was like, everybody kept going into places alone. Like, <laughs> it was just like... Did nobody even even Gary Russell like should have known better with clearly seeing this creature and what it's done and like she still just went in there to find that kid by herself. 
Like, nobody just cared at all that they should try to have people to help with that situation. So, and the one person she did bring couldn't help her because he was about to die. So, <laughs> it was just very strange. But, um, no, I just, yeah, it, it just, it felt like it ended abruptly. Um, there, they really could have explored a lot more of some of these aspects of it. Um, even honestly too, like the, the relationship with the boy Lucas and his family, you don't really get a lot of that other than he's clearly taking care of them while they're infected and all of this stuff. But, um, you, you know, just even a little bit of background so that you feel like why that connection is so strong. Like, yeah, of course it's his dad and his brother, but just, you know, even just a little bit more of like, you know, their connection or even some flashbacks to like their life before the two were about to be creatures, you know, whatever. Like, I just, I feel like they could have, I don't know. I, I, I know that I always talk about like, oh, I, I would like to know background on things, but I just feel like specifically for movies like this, it just feels like that is important to the story they're telling. And that's why they should have done just a little bit more. Even just one flashback scene of like the family happy before things went crazy, you know, like while the kid has his like ear, his headphones on so he can't hear his brother, like maybe he falls asleep and he has a dream or a flashback of his family. Yeah, you know, just something like that where it kind of shows a little bit more of, you know, that, that harsh reality of how different things were. But I don't know, that's just preference. But either way, um, it just it had potential to be like a solid horror type movie. It just kind of it, it it's almost like it did the bare minimum to say, hey, we're gonna get you excited about this movie. We're gonna do some cool things in it and get the you know anticipation going finally towards like the last twenty minutes of the movie, and then we're just gonna call it quits. You know, it, it they just kind of gave up too early on every point to where. You're almost feeling like this is about to be like a super awesome movie or a super awesome part. And then right when you're at that point, they're like, all right, we're done with it. (laughs) That's kind of what the whole movie felt like. Um, But again, lots of good elements, really beautifully shot, just feels like it didn't really, you don't really get a full complete movie with it. Oh, antlers. Um, Do you guys have any more thoughts about this movie? Anything final you want to say before we move on to that that Soho? I don't know why I said that like that. (laughs) No, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Nope. Antlers, fix your shit. Alright, let's move on. Alright, last night in Soho. Once again, spoiler-free recommendations and scores in the more spoiler-centric section. Spoiler-free. Heather, wait. Did you go first in Antlers or did Justin? Uh, I, I did. went first. I went first. All right. Yes. Oh. So, Heather, <laughs> what are your so, last night in Soho? Blah, 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 blah. Last night in Soho. Uh, spoiler free thoughts. Yeah. So, um, this movie was pretty good. I do have, again, some, some issues with elements that they brought to it or. Um, just kind of some story issues with some of it. But overall, I think it's a fantastically beautiful movie. 
like the cinematography is phenomenal in this movie. It's really great. The costume design is really great. Everything they do as far as visually in this movie is super great. Um, and, um, I, I think that, you know, the acting performances were good. Anya Taylor-Joy, um, Thomason McKenzie, they're great. They're both excellent leads. Um, it, it was, it was good. I, I think it was a good story. It was also an interesting, unique type of story from something I've seen. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of has some, it, I think it starts out a little bit better than it ends. And, uh, it just kind of has some parts of it. I think that kind of fall apart a little bit towards the latter half of it, but, um, it's definitely interesting. Like it's not a boring movie in any sort of way. And it does kind of keep you guessing or keep you wanting to know what's happening with this story and these two women and how they're connected and things like that. Um, and it's really more a story about, um, McKenzie, McKenzie Thomason. Um, I, it's more a story about her and just her experiences with certain things and stuff like that. But it, it's just kind of really well done as far as how they tell the story in the sense of pacing, I think is really good. Um, yeah, there, there's just a lot of really good elements to it with a story that could have been great, but ended up just being kind of decent. Um, more again of the whole there's potential but they don't fully reach it in story aspects of it but visually it's phenomenal so that's my that's my hot take on it all right justin what about you yeah man like it's it's crazy because i mean i liked this a lot better than antlers i do think that this is pound just pound for pound it's a better movie it's going to get a higher score than what I gave the Antlers movie. But similarly, I think at the end, you know, by the time you get to the end of this, it didn't quite stick the landing with the end. You know, it it, it kind of is a little messy going to the, 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 the finish line. You know what I mean? Like if you're like, if you're landing a plane, I'll go with that metaphor it was like there was a lot of turbulence, you know, there was like, you know, we, we you know, while the time we get to that, <laughs> before we get to that landed pad, we're like, there's turbulence and we're swaying back and forth and you're not quite sure this plane is going to land. And it does land. But boy, was that a bumpy ride right at the end of that. I, I think that this just is kind of, it definitely is one of those movies that has some third act issues. Um, but. Everything up until that was excellent, I thought. I, I thought the acting was was great. And yeah, Anna Taylor-Joy w- was was great in this. And I mean, she's I'm becoming a fan of her. She's she's a very good actress. And then Thomas and McKenzie, which um was also great in this. Um, you know, I, I liked uh pretty much all of the acting performances in this. I mean, that they're, they're they're very, very um, well done in this movie. Um, and then the story, like just the way that the, tor- the story is told. And like what Heather was saying, visually, when you talk about the cinematography, uh, the soundtrack in this, I thought was good. Very appropriate for the time, for the time periods 
that we're in. Very appropriate for these characters. I thought that like what you were hearing definitely matched what you were seeing on screen. Um, so I thought that all of that was good. I, I thought that, um, man, that they really, it really just has a sense of style. And we've talked about that before, how sometimes style can really make or break a film just like, and this definitely has a distinct artistic style to it. So I think that all of those things are there, you know, it checks off almost just every box when you're talking about a film that's pleasing to the eye, easy to look at, an interesting premise. You know, when I saw the previews for this, I was immediately interested in it because it seemed unique. It seemed kind of interesting. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I I definitely want to watch this. This just intrigued me. The moment I saw it because of the visuals and what I was seeing and it almost delivered in just about every aspect. But man, that third act, man, that third act. So, I mean, I mean, we'll just, of course, expound more in um, the spoiler section. But yeah, man, this is another movie where um, I wish that I could say it was great. Uh, You might even want to say it was great for two acts. And then, but unfortunately, we just didn't quite nail it in that third act. So unfortunately, it winds up just being one of those movies that was pretty good, solid. Um, you know, it's it's gonna it, it'll probably be back. It might be back awards time for art direction, costume design, different things like that. Uh, what was going on with it visually? Um, maybe, you know, scores, soundtrack and stuff, you know, all of those things were on point in this movie, but, um, but unfortunately it, it, uh, it can't just, it can't be an excellent movie because of how it went about its third act, which I think was a little messy, a little choppy, and we didn't quite get where we needed to go ultimately. I agree with all that. My problem is also is I think that this movie is so stylized that it does sacrifice some of the story elements it has to stay stylized. And I think that that's what causes the third act to fall apart. I think it... Yeah. It it sacrificed story at the altar of style. But I'll, I, Very I, true. Yeah, I can't say much though. I mean, stylistically, it's probably one of the best stylish movies out there. Like the unique sense of style that this movie has is top tier. Like it is just, in in that regard, it's damn near perfection with the way it oozes and integrates the style that Edgar Wright wanted in in and out of this movie. But then the fucking story falls the fuck apart. Dear God. It's just it's going and it's going and it's going and you're and you're there. You're on that ride and you're like fuck yeah. And then that end happens and you're like Oh, they didn't even build the tracks at the end of this roller coaster. They just said, fuck it, (laughs) fall off. They didn't even try. They just didn't even build the rest of the ride, and they opened it and started fucking putting people on it. It is insane. And it 
dear God, does it retroactively just almost destroy the whole movie. It's like that loose fucking thread that you pull and the next thing you know, like, you've got like a little something, like a little extra thread on your pants and you pull it and then all of a sudden you got shorts. You're like, fuck, I don't even have pants anymore. (laughs) It's so, it's, oh man. And once again, this movie, and it's one of my biggest pet peeves in movies. And I think that it's the same issue. It's it's a worse version of what I, the issues I had in Antlers. I am I will follow any rules that a movie establishes for their universe, even if it's just something as small as it's pretty much our universe, but one thing's different or this that. Like I will accept anything that your movie sets as rules for its universe. As long as you are willing to follow your damn rules. You follow your rules? I'll follow your rules. The problem is, is a lot of movies set up rules and they follow them for like 80% of the movie and then they just say fuck the rules and then they just do a bunch of bullshit. And unfortunately, that's what this movie does. Yeah. In the name of misdirection. Which is feels cheap. Which is pet peeve number two. Don't fucking lie to the audience in a mystery movie. Like intentionally lie to the audience. Your characters can lie to the audience. That's fine. Don't as a movie lie to your audience. Mm -hmm. Because if it's a thriller slash mystery, you have to give a good chance for them to deduce the outcome. The exact outcome. Not an idea of the outcome. The ultimate, uh, you know, villain of this movie, I figured had something to do with the mystery at hand. But because they lied to me, I had no way of knowing it was that. Yeah. You have no chance. Because they lie to you. And they lie to you by breaking their rules. And that's two of the biggest things I cannot fucking stand when a suspense thriller mystery movie does that. I know we've harped on it. I've harped on it a few times and I have to bring it up again. There's the fucking movie. What's it called? The vacation, the holiday, I don't know, something. It's got perfect getaway. That's it. See, I've done it enough. Heather knows what movie I'm talking about before I do it. (laughs) Yeah. The perfect getaway. It does this thing. Where the killers, and I don't give a fuck if I'm spoiling this movie, because the killers on the island are Steve Zahn and Mila Jolovich. But you start the movie as them being the main characters, and then somebody up comes, comes up to him and goes, oh, there's killers on the island, and they go, oh my god, there's killers on the island. Oh, there's killers on the island. I can't believe there's killers on the island. And they're telling that to the, the people that told them that. And then they walk away by themselves. And they're by themselves. And they sit there, and they're talking to each other. Going, man, like, do you think that other couple we saw, do you think they're the killers? I mean, we just really need to be careful. There's killers on this island, and we, we need to make sure. And, like, I think it's this other couple because, you know, there's killers on this island. They're the damn killers. They would not have that conversation with no one else around. Why would the killers, when no one else is around, be talking about the idea of there being killers on the island that's not them? When they know full and well it's them. Mm-hmm. 
They fucking lie to you. And that's what this movie does in the end. And it sucks. Because this movie is damn good until they do that. Yep. Damn good. I would say up until they do that, this is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Until they did that. Mm-hmm. And then when like, you're a piece of shit. I am mad now. And they did it all for the sake of style. Which sucks because it's damn good style. But they sacrifice everything in this movie to the altar of style. And it's in the end, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. Recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and scores. Before we do that, I have a feeling the first thing I'm going to say in spoilers is the thing we're all fucking wanting to talk about. Anyway. Yep. Yep. Because it's just obviously the first thing you have to fucking talk about when you're spoiling this movie. Anyway, um, Justin, go. Recommendations and scores. Yeah, I, I'm going to still recommend it for the totality of the film. Um, it's 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 a very it's so good, man. The first and second act is just so good, and it's so stylish, and it's so great, and it's visually pleasing. And I mean, and even though I didn't like the way that this comes together in the end, I could see myself maybe going back and revisiting this or revisiting certain scenes or um, kind of remembering some of the performances and what I saw visually because there are some very distinct visually appealing things that happen and I did like the story up until a point so I mean man it was just it, it really is top tier stuff until you get to that third act. But I think that if I'm looking at it as a movie as a whole and the sum of its parts, I really feel like this is one where you, you got to see it um, to I would recommend you watch it because of the quality that it is. And it is unique enough. It's it's innovative in a lot of ways, the way it goes about telling the story. And I think that um that it that it does deserve at least that it does deserve your attention for that and i think for the most part you will be entertained by this and depending on and who knows maybe you're a person where you get to the end and what happened is okay for you you know i ran into plenty of people who accepted what happened at the end but i feel like my two colleagues here i feel like man why did you have to do me like that why did you tell me one thing and then it wound up being another man i was with you until you just went oh look i want to trick you so i'm gonna do something else and i am just me personally i feel that that's cheap and that's kind of what it did at the end so i mean when i when i was on so through the first and second act Man, this movie was an A. I was gonna get. I was. I was in the nineties, but by the time it gets to that third act, I wound up with seventy. <laughs> so that goes to show you, I had to knock it. I knocked it like twenty. Man, it, it got twenty knocked from it just because of how it ends. So yeah, but so that. But, but overall, 
if I'm looking at the sum of its parts, overall, it is a good film. It is not a bad movie. I just wish we had executed better in the end. Kind of like, um, same sense, kind of similar to Antlers, how I felt. So with that being said, 70, um, we'll go with, uh, 70, um, Man, I should have thought I should think more about this this <laughs> this score thing before I do it instead of always doing it on the fly. Uh we'll we'll, we'll go with 70 um ballroom group dances um before you realize your actual value out of a hundred. How there you go. Yeah, I do recommend it as well. I'm very similar in my thoughts on it. I I really did like it. Um, it's up, up until <laughs> the third act. Um, it it is still just very creative and very stylistic, just visually gorgeous movie. And you know, the story itself really is super interesting. And they just should have uh, kind of closed out the story in a way better way than they did. But yeah, I do still recommend it. It's fun. It's inventive. It's, you know, it, it's cool. It's a cool movie in that sense. And it's, um, it's good. It's, it's got really good elements to it. And it, and again, it could have been a great story, but it ended up just being a decent story. But, um, visually, it's almost perfect. It's so good how they do everything with that. Um, I'm going to give it also for the same, same reasons I had to knock my score down to. I'm going to give it um, 74, um, 74 beautiful renditions of Downtown by Sandy out of 100. So this movie got points deducted seriously three different times for me. First 80, 85% of this movie, easily 95. Just solid 95. Easy. Not even thinking about it. 95. Then the resolution happens. 75, easy. Like Justin said, 20 points just instantly, bam, right off. And you go back and watch my TikTok I did on this movie literally hours after I watched it. I actually was fine with it then. I was not angry. Because this movie did something weird to me. I knew it lied to me. And it was stylish. And I was still kind of hypnotized by it. And I watched it, like I said, on Saturday. So I was still kind of hypnotized from after watching this movie. I want to say it was Monday. I'm thinking about this movie. And then it clicks what the fuck this movie really did to me. It clicks. And I was like, no. I I became mad. I turned on this movie hardcore on Monday. Like I said, you watch my TikTok, I say it sacrifices narrative elements to keep the style, but overall it it, it just it, the movie works in the end. As I do recommend it. That's what my TikTok says Saturday night. By Monday I am irate at this movie. Because it is so stylish and so good for so much of the movie. That it makes you feel like the bullshit it pulls at the end isn't malicious and foul. 
just inexcusable <laughs> from a filmmaker, especially as good as Edgar Wright. And I think that's what makes it worse. And I think that's why I got madder at this movie. So this movie then dropped easily 30 fucking points after that. When I got mad at it. When it sank in. What the fuck this movie did to me. And how just double betrayed I felt. That not only did it do this to me while I watched it. But then it it lulled me into a false sense of security. That that was not as bad as it was. Yeah, part of that's on me. But you know what? Fuck you, Edgar Wright, for doing it to me. 45. I hear this movie. 45. Matt Smith's dancing with like 10% effort is still infinitely more uh, swagalicious than most people dancing in their lifetimes out of 100. (laughs) Spoilers? Go for it. Yeah. Spoilers. What the fuck is with this movie showing her ghost the whole goddamn movie when it being her, oh, that part of me died that night. Fuck this fucking movie. Yep. Yeah. That is so misleading. It was so frustrating. Yeah. Oh, that's when Sandy died. I'm Alexandra now. That's not how ghosts work, motherfucker. The fuck is that shit? Death. Dude, that's what it was. <laughs> she wasn't death. even faced. It was though, a metaphoric death versus a literal ghost. death. Yeah. A metaphoric death. <laughs> yeah. She so wasn't she, even like phased though, like at the fact that she saw her ghost. She yeah. was just like, oh, you saw go- oh, you know what? It was probably the former me that you saw. Like she was just totally okay with it, you know. I saw your ghost. Oh, you saw Sandy's ghost. The fuck is that shit? She just, she just had an answer for it. She knew. <laughs> I mean, Justin, this is up there with the preposterousness of an argument of the difference between a metaphoric literal sniff and a literal metaphoric sniff. Yeah. It's the same type of shit. Is it a metaphoric yeah. literal death versus a literal metaphoric death? The <laughs> fuck is this shit? It's so true. It's and I'm just so sitting there going, cheap. what? I know at the end, like they're talking and the dialogue's going, and it's like, yeah. And it's supposed, and you're supposed, and at that moment, you're supposed to be like, oh man, what a plot twist. And I'm just, and really, I was just sitting there angry, like, what? No. She was alive the whole time. Then how could you see her? How could you see all of this? Well, exactly. I thought that this was supposed to be a ghost. Like, come on, guys. I couldn't believe that they did it that way. And so you feel, I felt cheated because it's like, okay, so you you did that just for the sake of tricking me so that I couldn't figure this out. You couldn't come up with a clever enough way to reveal this or a different way to reveal this. Um, You had to do that just for the sake of misdirection. And then it just, it just totally took me out of it, man. Like I was just like, no, not this way, guys, not this way. (laughs) After being so good, you know, and yeah. that's what I think what was is this movie is so good up until when they do that that 
I'm just in my head like, no, it's fine that they did that. It's fine that they lied to me. It's like I was justifying being like, you know, hit by my fucking wife or something. You know what I mean? Like, no, I deserved it. Like, that's what this fucking movie did to me. I'm sitting there like, no, it's fine that they lied to me. I'd be mad at any other movie that lied to me, but no, it's fine that this one did. That's what I did for two days. And then I went, no, fuck this movie. It did what I fucking harp on other movies for doing. It did that to me. And it does not give any forgiveness for how fucking good the rest of the movie was. Because you know what? That makes it worse. That means you knew what you were doing. And you just did it anyway. Yeah. Like, I'll forgive actually other movies for doing it. Because you know what? The people writing and directing it obviously aren't creative enough to not do it. That's the out they'll get. They're not creative enough to do it. The rest of this movie proves Edgar Wright is and chose not to. Like, when that scene started and she's sitting there and she's like, and it shows that male and it's all Alexandra, I went, no. Just to myself, just, I went, no. Because I had a feeling that that old lady knew something. That's the feeling I had. She knew something that she wasn't saying. She knew something. That's what I felt. Same. And it upset yeah. me when it was, oh no, that was me. And then, and then what, but the, the whole ending still just falls apart because then like, she's like, oh, I poisoned you. You're just going to fall asleep and die. She was fucking running around not dying for like 10 minutes after that. And then the ambulance comes and she's still not dying. What the (laughs) fuck happened to the poison? It just made her fucking kind of drunk for a little bit. And then she was fine. Yeah. (laughs) And then that old lady that literally is in the middle of trying to murder her with a knife after also still being in the middle of you're poisoned, also, the your boyfriend is bleeding to death, and you're just like, no, don't kill yourself. It's fine. The fuck is that? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> yeah, man, what was that? Fuck that old lady, bitch. <laughs> you take the knife, stab her, and let her house burn down. <laughs> like, no. You don't forgive her. You're still in the act of dying of poisoning. For all you know, your boyfriend did just bleed to death. You don't know he's still alive. He's down. For all you know, he's also on fire. (laughs) And you just go, it's fine. You were tight in my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) We were, we were tight. We we were tight in my dreams. It's cool. I got ghost tickies in my dream with you. It's awesome. The fuck is that? And then, like, she just, and then all that happens. And yeah, she lives, her boyfriend lives, all that shit, whatever. And then now she's just fine with the ghost haunting her. I'm still thinking, yeah, that her bitch ghost tried like to kill you five different times. <laughs> she BFF tried to poison you, ghost. stab you, all kinds of shit. No, no, no. Sterling, you're, you don't understand. It was it was Sandy that she was friends with. 
not Alexandra. Sandy died right, a long right. time ago. Sandy, she solved Sandy's murder, so now Sandy's fine with her. <laughs> what the fuck is yeah, this the movie? metaphor is cool. Not the literal, Sterling. The metaphor was tight. So the not metaphor. The so you're saying the metaphoric literal death was cool, but not the literal metaphoric death. Or are you saying the, met- the literal metaphoric death was cool, but not the metaphoric literal death? Which one, Justin? Let's go with all, all of the above. <laughs> sure, because yeah, I right. don't know which one's which. <laughs> like, and then also. What is the deal with the end of this movie? And they're like, oh, first year student, and everybody's like, oh my god, groundbreaking clothes, whatever. They looked like shitty clothes. But, okay, so that was the thing. And then everybody's just so happy with her. So I'm like, is this like the second semester or whatever, that now everything's fine? Because she's, you know, she only tried to, I don't know, stab her fucking classmates in the face with scissors in the first semester. Everything's fine because yeah. <laughs> it's the second semester. Everybody knows what happened before Christmas break doesn't count. The fuck is this movie? And she still had that bandage on her hand, too. Did she? Like, as if it was, like, fresh. Yeah, she did. Oh, so, like, so this is, what, five days later? Everything's fine? What exactly. the fuck is this movie? Yeah. I didn't yeah, even notice that. Fine. So now it's worse. Now it's worse. I thought it was second semester. Everybody forgave her. No, this is literally, like, five days later, then. And her boyfriend's just fine I was, after being stabbed. Yeah, because I was trying to figure out the time frame. Because I was like, how much later was this? You know what I mean? And then I saw that she still had the bandage on her hand. So I was like, wait, is it a new thing? <laughs> like, What the yeah. fuck is this movie? It's, it's yeah. so good. It just dies at the end. Like, I feel like the, the Sterling that liked this movie died in that scene. So now I guess the main character of this movie can just see one of me running around everywhere. The metaphor of you? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever metaphor of you that there is, she can see it. God fucking damn it, man. (laughs) Like, this is just one of those movies. It's like you feel like the tragedy of this, the, the Sandy character and all this other stuff. And it's not that they ruin the tragedy aspect of it because like, Technically, it's now Alexandra. Like, all that stuff happened to her. And those are tragic elements of stuff. And all this other stuff. But then they they killed the aspect of she's a sympathetic character with the thing of, yeah, I killed all these people that technically, like, raped me, if you want to call it that. And that's, like, okay. You know, like, so you killed the people that raped you or that you considered raped or took advantage of you and all this other stuff. Fine, whatever. Now you're just killing two fucking teenagers? Now it's fine. Like, so you lose that aspect of sympathy for her with that, like at the end of the movie. You know, you can yeah. have the sympathy for for killing people that sexually took advantage of her or her situation. You can you can accept that element of it, but then she just tries to kill normal people. It was literally just being tortured by what Justin calls a metaphoric ghost. This she was trying to help her be, out, and this she wanted to kill just her. Being tortured by your metaphoric dead self, yeah. and you want to kill her for it. <laughs> Yeah, like no motive for for doing that other like, than couldn't she just sit her down and go? Yeah, I was Sandy, and as you saw, all those men took advantage of me, and you know, like I was forced into this lifestyle, and these men took advantage of me until I just couldn't take it anymore. I, you know, I don't think this girl would have ratted you out. 
But no, he had right. to kill her. Like, and then what were the ghosts doing? Well, the ghosts are like pinning her down to the bed like you can't go anywhere when she's trying to get the phone because they just wanted to hand her the phone? What the <laughs> fuck is that? Just let her grab the phone then. <laughs> If you wanted to have it, just let her grab. Just let her grab it. She was trying. It's like it's not like she was going for something <laughs> other than the phone. When the only thing on that right. table is the phone, and you like grab her and pin her <laughs> down to the bed so you can walk out of the closet to hand her the phone. What the fuck are you doing? And right. then it's <laughs> like so they, true. It's like they tried to then also then make a sympathy for like Matt Smith's character. When he's like, you know, when she comes in to like take the little girl and he's like, no, you did all this to us and we're going to stop you now. What? He was a rapist. Like. Right. Yeah. Why does he need that moment? Like, because that was the whole point of his character was like he was the one that would like groom them into thinking one thing and then force them into this lifestyle. And it's obvious he did that to numerous girls and all this other stuff. And like, and it was a very dynamic character because like when you first meet Matt's this character, like I said, he dance, there's that scene when he first dances with Sandy, that man is dancing with 10% effort at most. And he looks so fucking cool doing it. Right. And he did such a good job at playing that dual aspect of it, of like grooming them that way, being so charming and debonair and effortlessly cool and all these things that they just got so wrapped it into it that whenever he, you know, showed his true colors, it was like almost too late for him. They did such a good job of having those aspects. And then her like showing her mental instability as she would go through of the more guys that she was forced to do things with, the more it took a toll on her and she was just changing her name and all these other things. And like, that was such like an amazing well to, like amazing way to tell that story and it was acted so well and it was directed so well and written so well and it's just so fucking good and then it's just so dumb at the end yeah like this movie like went the 10% effort route for the last like fucking 20 minutes because we're only giving 10% effort in all regards at this point just oh my god and like I said, it lies to us. You're, you're you're told because you're told very early on in the movie. And like I said, this is what this movie does. It it sets the ground rules of she can see ghosts very early in the movie. Very early in the movie, like what the opening scene almost. You get the rule she can see ghosts. Cool. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I will yeah. accept that 100 percent the whole movie. Until what you're saying that she's showing is not, or seeing is not actually a ghost. The fuck is that? Like I said, they did that just so they could break it. Yeah, because a question too is like, wasn't she seeing the ghost of Matt Smith's character? Yeah. But also at the same time, she still thought he was the old man that he wasn't? Like, why would she think that if she was seeing his ghost? Well, because (laughs) I think she thought she was seeing the memories of Sandy's ghost. You know, okay. So like she was seeing her own memories. She saw him. I thought at one point she saw him just in ghost form, 
like on the street or something. Maybe not. And she saw a lot of other ghosts. So I thought but, maybe he was. But at that point, that everything, I, th- I, I get what you're saying with that. And I think to her, everything was just bleeding together at that point. And uh, that would make sense. Okay. It's like bleeding together at that point. But the problem is, is like with the Sandy character, because you could argue that she's just seeing the memory of Sandy and not a ghost. You could almost argue that. The reason why you can't is that's the point of view character of the ghost world for her. If her point of view character was Matt Smith, you would then you could argue that she was just seeing the memory of Sandy due to the Matt Smith character being the point of view for the ghost world. That would make sense then that he would she would see Sandy. And you could then argue that that twist works. Because you're mm. seeing the memory of the ghost from a ghost. You're seeing the memory of Sandy from the Matt Smith ghost. That would make sense to me. I could accept mm. that. Yeah, that's true. But the you Sandy, know what actually might have been cool? Yeah, it, I think that, that would have worked. That would have fixed this movie. The problem is the Sandy character is the point of view. They played this no, movie true. like the Sandy ghost is why she's seeing everything. And it's not till later on that you see the Matt Smith ghost when she's losing her, like she doesn't know what's what at that point, you know? So like, if that was the case, like, you know, that's how, you know, once again, it's the, the, the Sandy ghost is the point of view, you know? And that's what the problem is. You know what might have been cool is even if it was like maybe like if she had been a different person, like she was looking at the viewpoint of a ghost, maybe it could have been like her mom even. Like her mom was kind of like a bystander in, you know, seeing Sandy always at this bar or something like that, you know? Like that would have been kind of cool too if it was like from her mom's point of view and that's why she was still seeing Sandy in that way. But also, it would eliminate the yeah the issue we're having. <laughs> the The twist works if any other ghost is the point of view ghost. Any of them, it falls apart because Sandy is the point of view ghost. That's why it falls apart because she's not seeing a ghost at that point. She's just essentially living someone else's memories. Which is not what they set her power set to be. Her ability set is I see ghosts. Mm-hmm. Not I see people's memories. So it would work. So it would work amazing if at one point it turns out the point of view she's seeing it from is her mom because like her mom was actually friends with Sandy and you just didn't know it at the time. Whatever. You know what I mean? That would have been so great. Or any other thing. It's just, that's just not the story they put out. And that's why it falls apart. And that's why I'm mad. Because, like I said, they intentionally go out of their way to lie to the audience. Which I think is the biggest sin in a mystery movie. Is lying to your audience. And, like, we know Edgar Wright doesn't have to do that. Because, like, look at something like Hot Fuzz. It's a mystery. And they don't lie to you in that movie. Because while there are scenes when you, like, you're half right when you're like, oh, it's that guy. It turns out it is that guy. But it's not just that guy. 
or there's something else with it that you didn't know. So it's like you're half right and you just don't realize why you're wrong about the other part. And that's fine because you're giving the audience the opportunity to actually get the truth. You can't get the truth in this movie until it tells it to you. And that's, like I said, to me, there's no bigger sin in a fucking mystery movie than that. Than not giving your audience a chance. I'm not saying that you do have to make it so obvious that everybody gets it. No, because sometimes it's fun to not quite get it. You're almost there, but you don't quite. And then they reveal it and you just go, oh, yeah. That's that's fun sometimes. But you have to give them a chance. Anyway, um, Heather, go. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the same issues, obviously, like the ending, it just, it did not make sense to me. I was like, wait, how is this her? She was seeing her ghost, right? So that, that was definitely my biggest issue. And the complaint about like, why does she want to be BFFs with this lady who literally tried to kill her in many ways and her boyfriend, you know, it was just very strange to me. And also like, I really did think that scene at the end, like whenever, um, you know, the old lady Alex is about to like stab her. And then you just see the, the, the flashback and she's going up the stairs and the stairs are glass and they're breaking. That was a super cool scene, but I'm sitting there just thinking like this old lady is taking like forever to stab this girl who is not that far away from her. Like she could have at any point, like, put her arm down to like stab somewhere on the girl she wasn't even that far away from her but she's acting like she just can't get to her with the knife so i thought that was just kind of funny because i'm like this girl isn't moving that fast and you're not either and you clearly could have at least got her leg or something and you're just like yeah it was just funny um but again all for the sake of the style right because they wanted to show that cool scene of you know the flashback sandy and going up the stairs so um so just kind of more proof that the elements of style they want to do just kind of hinders the story from being better um i also think another part that was slightly irritating was there was a lot of um not sandy of the other girl's character um eloise yeah ellie a lot of ellie's character just a lot of just frantic running around and panicking out of rooms. <laughs> and I get it. Like she was being haunted and scared by ghosts or metaphorical ghosts, whichever one, but it was just a lot at like all very close together. And part of me is just like, is nobody concerned about this girl? Like, <laughs> you know, like it seemed like the boyfriend is the only one who's really like paying enough attention to notice how often she's doing that. You know, and I'm just like, she's done that. She's ran out of so many different rooms with a a ton of people around and nobody's, they're just kind of like, oh, well, that's weird. But when you do it more than once, especially like, I feel like that means maybe see what's going on there. And like, nobody was really doing that. And I get that. Like, she's like this character that is kind of in the shadows. Nobody like notices her until she starts changing her hair and her clothes. But I feel like that the frantic running out. It was, it was a lot. Um, I also do think that the boyfriend was way more understanding than he probably should have been in a lot of instances. (laughs) 
like he was a super nice guy, but I'm just like, you know, he, he just didn't really like when they're in the, the library and yeah, she almost stabs her old roommate in the face with the scissors. Like everyone's there watching it and they're just like, wow, she's crazy. Nobody tries to do anything about it or be like, Hey, we need to like have you arrested or have campus security come get you or something. And the boyfriend is just kind of like, it's going to be okay. Just put the scissors down. It's fine. No problem. You know, I know you got a lot going on. Like he was just like insanely understanding for how, how crazy she was being rightfully so, but also because she didn't really tell him why she was acting that way. Like, I feel like he should have been like, Hey, listen, I like you, but (laughs) you've, you've been a little bit crazy right now. You've been scaring me because of what you're doing. I just need to know what's going on with you. Like that conversation needed to happen for sure. Like (laughs) he was, he was just kind of like, you know, I just really like you and I'm worried about you and I want you to be okay. But like, you know, the fact that she just wasn't even explaining to him why she was acting that way. I was like, man, like it, it would make sense if he was being that understanding, if he had the explanation, but he didn't. And I just don't really think I know many people who would be that just reasonable about her actions if they didn't know why they were her actions. You know what I mean? So I just thought that was interesting. But, um, and then also, yeah, like the screaming while they're in her bed, you know, <laughs> it just was like, you know, instead of being like, nope, I'm out, that was too much of a close call. Like, I'm not trying to risk being accused of something I didn't do. Like there was never any of that moment for him. And I really feel like there should have been (laughs) because again, no explanation of why she was doing that. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think that otherwise their chemistry was really good. I thought that they were like cute with their awkwardness with each other, not knowing what to say. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the chemistry between really the, just the different characters. I mean, like Sterling said, like Matt Smith's character was very charming. His chemistry with Sandy at the beginning, it was really great. Um, yeah, they, they just, they did all of those elements really well, but there were just moments, but the moments were so big that you're just like, why, why did you ruin this movie with this? Um, I really, really loved the scene, like the very first night that Ellie has the dream of Sandy and, you know, she's in the pink dress and she's coming down the stairs and you just see Ellie in the mirror as she's going down the stairs, like as she's like looking in on this girl's life and you just see Ellie's reflection in the mirror as she's pretty much doing everything that night. I thought that was super cool. Like that was really phenomenal and super, super memorable to me. Um, and there was a lot of moments like that, you know, a lot of different shots like that, that I thought were just really cool. Um, but yeah, I think again, I, I had a feeling that the old lady had something to do with it, or maybe she was like around the night. Like if, if she had lived upstairs, maybe she heard what had happened or something like that is what I thought they were going to do. And I would have been definitely more okay with that than what they did do. But (laughs) yeah, it was just very much a, like, I'm going to kill you because you wanted to help my metaphorical ghost. And then they're going to be just BFFs. 
in the ghost world or something. Like it was just very, it just fell apart so fast unnecessarily. Like it just, and, and I think you kind of nailed it head on there. Sterling with like saying, we know that he's creative enough to think of a way to do this, where that's not what the ending was. So it just felt lazy or something or very misguided because man, like, can you imagine the potential of what that movie would like? Yeah. If, if it had been her mom's ghost point of view or, or something like that, like that really would, that would have made that movie super cool. You know, even, even cooler, like the last part of it would have been just as good as the rest of it or just really anything, you know, um, just really like, or maybe even her thinking the whole time that she was Sandy's ghost or like that she was Sandy. But really, in actuality, the twist is she wasn't Sandy. She was actually somebody else's point of view and she just didn't know it or something. You know what I mean? Like just something like that would have been fine too. Literally any other explanation <laughs> would have been far preferred to the one that they gave us. Um, but just the writing of the story and like, how they intertwined the two girls and their lives and their world and just the influence that these dreams were having on Ellie becoming more herself and her, her fashion school and all of that. Like it was just really well done. Um, and you're right. Like the whole scene about the different, all the different nights at the nightclub and all the different men and all of that. Like that was so good. That was so good. Um, and I just, man, it's just the biggest, I said in the Halloween episode that I've never been so let down by a movie I was looking forward to. <laughs> I think I can safely say this kind of beats it out. Like I I was looking super forward to this movie and the fact that I just really liked everything they did up until the last 30 minutes, like that is an even bigger letdown than Halloween kills. <laughs> like it just was so disappointing. Um but yeah, and again, like it was, it was hard to know the, the time, like the time frame of when things were happening because again, like at that end scene when she's just somehow created these like fabulous dresses that were inspired by Sandy's dress and she's already got this runway show and all these things. It's like, okay, so if that was supposed to be second semester or whenever that was, like everybody is just cool with her now. She's super popular, really well known. But again, still has like this bandage on her hand as if her knife cut was like very fresh. So I was very confused on like the timing and the time frame of when that last part was happening. So, um, yeah, I do not know. But uh, yeah, again, it was just literally the, the most, the most disappointing thing is just how they chose to end this and the twist they chose to give you that was it did not pay off in any sort of way. And yeah, I, I, and I mean enough to have all of us knock off points for how great we thought this movie was up until that point. So yeah, that's, I mean, I think we kind of mostly, (laughs) I think most of our disappointments are all the same one about just the, the reveal and the ending. Um, but yes, that's, that's my take on it. But again, like everything else they did in this movie was really well done. What about you, Justin? 
Yeah, I mean, not to not to really beat a dead horse. I mean, it's pretty. I think we're just really all in agreement on the first two acts. Um, one scene in particular that no one said. I mean, I enjoyed all the same scenes that you guys did. the uh, The opening scene with her dancing and um and everything and 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 imagining her on the runway and different things like that and these people wearing something that she made and stuff. Even that scene at the beginning was very well done. Just the opening credit scene was just great. And so right away, you were just kind of with this movie. You could, you just felt like it had an artistic style and it was going to have a sense of imagination. And you just, you know, uh, right Im- immediately, you got that vibe from this movie. And as you're going along, yeah, man, anytime you got to travel back and see um what sandy's life was like and everything like that you were along for the ride you know i was very much like her you know i was very much like um who we were following in this movie um eloise i was like go back to sleep (laughs) you know go back to sleep so we can get back to sandy and see what she's doing and everything like that and it's not to say that what was happening with eloise was boring it was a great balance in the first two acts, it was a great balance between Eloise and her trying to her being the fish out of water, trying to adjust to life here and everything like that and having this talent, but just not the best social skills and everything like that. And, you know, you could see the contrast of her not being this social butterfly, but then going to sleep or going to this dream world or this other world or this other time where she could uh, live through the eyes of this woman who very much was about that life. So I, I liked even that. I liked the, even the contrast of who these two women were. And, and so you and her being intrigued by this other life that she didn't think she was capable of living or having and being just so um even it even inspired her artistically so i thought that all of that was great i just loved how they showed that contrast and those parallels and yeah by the time you get to the end i mean we've talked about the disappointing ending and everything the ghost and everything like that and it just sucks because I feel like at the end when it was like, well, I don't I don't want to kill you, Alexandra, Alexandria, whatever, because I understand that. And, you know, you could tell that there was supposed to be kind of like this poignant moment of I understand that you were a victim. You know, I understand that these people victimized you. I understand that um that 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 you were a, a victim of th- all of this abuse and everything like that and i get the idea that you kind of wanted her to go out on her own terms or on a different way because she was this victim and in, and in that way maybe eloise was helping her by sort of sparing her but man that just totally did not come across you know um the way that it was done and the way that it was executed like you could tell that they wanted that they wanted that connection of victimhood and everything and her to be like well you're a victim and you know have a better death than me just killing you and everything like that and remembering the good the the the, the inspiration that i got from you 
and all of that stuff and not this part and all that. You know, you could tell what they were going for. You could tell what the writing was trying to do. But it was just so absolutely absurd the way that we got there. I mean, like I said, it just totally fell off the rails because like we've all said, you're lied to. And then the confrontation was weird because like I was thinking the same thing Heather was thinking. This is an old woman doing all of this. I mean, she could barely move like (laughs) we're having a lot of trouble with this old woman. So even though all this artistic stuff was happening um, and then like the the ghost of the abusers and them all showing up and yelling and doing all of this stuff, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in here. And I just wish that we had executed so that I could appreciate all of that stuff more. But you just can't. The way that it tried to clump all of this together and didn't really know how to stick the landing with this movie. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much else other than that. You guys have already pretty much said it. But, yeah, man, I just I get what they were going for. I get the. The, the the ambition with this but it just feels like all that ambition was put in the first two acts and somebody was like oh we got to end this thing and they it was like they were having fun making the first two acts and then somebody was like hey guys we we got to end this thing though how are we going to end this thing and somebody was like oh damn man Oh, man, I haven't even really been thinking about that. If you know, well, let's come up with something real quick. And that's what it felt like at the end there. It literally felt like they forgot that this had to have a resolution. And they just sort of, or they were pressed for time, or they they got through the first two acts, and then somebody said, hey, you guys know that the that the due date for this is tomorrow, right? And they were like, oh, shit, it's tomorrow? And they just, that's what it felt like. That's what that third act felt like totally to me. So, yeah, you know, I just wish it was better than that. But unfortunately, this is what we got. But, yeah, that's pretty much where I stand with it. No, it's funny because, like, that's the exact same thing I said about Antlers, too. Like, they're making this movie and they went, oh, fuck, we got to end it. Like, yeah, we got to end this movie. We got to wrap this up. I mean, no, I do agree with you, Justin. That opening sequence is fucking phenomenal. And I agree with you, Heather. That scene of them walking down the stairs where you see Sandy, but then uh, whatever the yeah. fuck her name is is in the mirror and shit. It's fucking amazing. Like, you know, like all those aspects were so great. You know, and it's just, oh, man. Oh, man, this end. Uh, anyway, you guys got any more thoughts? Any final thoughts about this movie? Do better, Edgar Wright. That's all. I am good. All right. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema Slayers podcast on uh, Facebook. We are Twitter or on Twitter and Instagram. We are Cinema underscore Slayers. On TikTok, we are uh, Cinema Slayers Pod. Where I'm, I'm in the home stretch. I've got a little less than two months left of my five-month daily movie challenge where I'm watching something different every day and doing a little review on it. And it's funny how, like, these ones where I did it then and, like, we're doing an episode now, my opinion's changed since then. So you need to listen to both. Don't listen to just the TikTok. Listen to the the podcast, too, because 
stuff changes. Um, so, uh, also, uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. It really help us out. So do that. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friend's family, tell your family's friends. And especially tell mothers. Because you know what I've found out in my life? Mothers love antlers and being lied to. <laughs> <laughs> that might be your best one so far. I, I agree. So, uh, other than that, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. But was I talking about the literal moon night or the metaphor? Somebody else asked the question. Nobody knows anything but you. Or the literal metaphoric Academy Award, which you can metaphorically sniff. And to quote you, Justin, all of it. (laughs) All right, I'm out.